Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part two with Dr. Dave Shirazi. Uh, we picked his brain so much last time about ALF, we you know twisted his arm and made him come back. I'm Megan Van Noy, myofunctional therapist, um, with my co-host Kimmy Nishimoto. Hi, Kimmy. Hey, friends. Hi guys, before we get started, I just want you to know that this episode will be uploaded to our YouTube channel, which I highly recommend that you watch this one as well, uh, because it will have before and after pictures and some really cool graphics that Dr. Shirazi came up with. So if you don't have access to your YouTube, that's fine. Go ahead and listen. But if you would rather see the before and afters, uh, this is a great visual episode. All right, Dr. Shirazi, we're so excited to have you back. Um, you know, I was just sharing about how I've had many more patients asking about ALF lately. So this is like perfect timing. So yeah, Kimmy, what are you, what are your thoughts now that you know a little bit more about ALF? (laughs) Oh man, I just wish there was more of you out there. Um, one question I've been thinking about since our last session was, um, what are your thoughts on, ALF versus traditional rapid palate expander, RPE, Um, because that's like a, you know, it's kind of a controversial thing. Some people are like, yes, it's amazing. It like gets you there fast. And then other people say like it causes um, scarring of the sutures and it's a little genetic. It it does. So I'm not a fan of rapid palatal expansion. It does split the palatal suture. It causes a little bit of blood clot to form and that's what kind of plugs it. And it's well documented that it has about a 30 to 35% relapse rate. Hmm. So with an ALF, the ALF I admit, as a palatal expander, it's an inefficient device, okay? But the other problems that you have, so the ALF is a three-dimensional device and you'll, you'll see why in a moment. Um, is a three-dimensional device. It leaves room for the tongue. It occupies almost zero oral volume. Yes. Unlike a palatal expander, which is like plastic and thick metal and blocks the tongue from going where it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And then the problem is if someone has a cranial cant like this and you put in a rapid palatal expander, you're going to exasperate mm-hmm. the cant. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. treating a failure right now that instead of actually learning something new, what orthodontists are doing is they're taking the same technology of rapid palatal expansion and overlapping it with the technology of TAD implants. So they're putting in four screws to screw the rapid palatal expander into the palate and into the nose. And then they're still expanding the same exact Mm -hmm. way but just okay. using Anchorage from TADS. Um, I'm actually treating someone that had to have that removed because her camp got so much worse mm-hmm. that um, it exasperated her TMJ problem to the point that she couldn't function. So they took it out. We put her in an elf. Wow. That's good to know. Cause I'm actually considering TADS. So that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, it's an option if you're desperate to get rapid palatal expansion, it's the, it's the most, Outside of breaking your jaw and doing surgery, it's the fastest way of doing it. I just, I don't understand what your rush is or what anyone's rush is, you know? So should I click share screen so that I could? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, 
Yes. Right. So Dr. Shirazi graciously made this wonderful presentation for us so we could talk about ALF and he could show us some before and afters because as we talked about last time, it's not a very common thing, but one of the greats. So take it away, Doc. So I always, whenever I'm, I'm lecturing, I always uh, start with the same slide. Doesn't matter if I'm talking to physicians, dentists, orthodontists, or in your audience. Um, and it's about a guy that's coming to see a Zen master with a question. And the Zen master starts pouring him the cup of tea and, um, the, the guy with the question goes, hey, it's full, it's spilling, it's enough, it's enough. And he goes, you know, you're just like this cup of tea. You're so full of your own ideas. How can I impart any wisdom on you if you come in with a full cup, right? So I always ask, and I'm sure your audience is the epitome of it, uh, but I always ask my audience because the information is not meant to displace what we already know, just to support what we already know. So I invite everyone to come in with an empty cup. So just to give you a little background on me, I'm a dentist, I'm an acupuncturist, I have a master's in psychology as well. I was a sleep technologist for five years and I'm boarded in pain and sleep. And all of the um, hospital residencies I did was in Chinese medicine, one in China, one in Korea. And all of my continuing ed is like on the subject. Um, I am involved in uh, research. I don't know if you guys can see that green thing. Um, but I don't have any, like, as I talk about ALF, I don't have a royalty or a kickback or anything. I'm just in private practice. Um, and my, my office is actually a franchise and we have over 65 centers throughout the world, like all over US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Bahrain, Dubai. Um, and so I have one here in Thousand Oaks and one in Brentwood, Los Angeles. Um, and then this information, like Derek invented the ALF uh, 37 years ago. And then it was meant to be a modification and an improvement on what was called a Crozet appliance. So it's, it's not, this is not new. He has just been able to take it um, because of he, he's using the essence of orthopedics and orthodontics and myofunctional therapy into a very simple appliance that can be adapted to almost any situation. So this is what my uh, office looks like. Um, we don't do, I don't do any general dentistry, just orthodontics, pain and sleep. Um, that chair that you see will roll down so I can do acupuncture on my patients. And that cabinet in the back um, rolls out into a sleep study where we do sleep studies on, on patients. Mostly for research is what I'm doing the, the, uh, the sleep studies for. Um, but I also work on children because most of the people in my area have no idea how to do a sleep study on children. Um, we do a cone beam CT scan so we can see the structures in 3D. Um, so we're gonna talk about alpha therapy, what its uses are and how it works. Um, and of course, you know, this information, it's not just the tip of the iceberg, it's like the snowflakes on top of that tip of the iceberg, okay? It, 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 I'm still learning on a regular basis about ALF and the functional orthodontics. Um, so this is what an ALF appliance, this is a basic uh, ALF design. And it's a really light wire that sits on the inside of the palate and the inside of the mandibular teeth. And it's the wire 
rests very gently among right where the tongue, I'm sorry, right where the teeth meet the gums. Yeah. And it's designed to not so much move teeth, but to use the teeth as anchors so that we can move bones with it, right? This loop right here in the front, what we call the omega loop right behind the front teeth, that is situated on the spot so that it can facilitate people swallowing, right? It's like a constant reminder of where to start to swallow. I always say this, it's just a fact, but the ALF is the first myofunctional appliance ever created. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So cool. And this is, this is who invented it. This is Dr. Derek Nordstrom with uh, one of his grandchildren. I think he's got 21 grandchildren. <laughs> um, one of the sweetest human beings that has ever been born on the planet. I'm including Jesus. I'm not exaggerating. He's that nice. Uh, he is a left brain genius, but he's also a medical intuitive. And he has absolutely no ego on him at all. Like he's just the nicest human being. He only sees loving in other people. He's just adorable. <laughs> right? um, and again, he, he, he invented it because he had a need. You know, he was making Crozats and he wanted a bit more flexibility. And, and so he came up, first thing he came up with was that an Omega Loop to aid in the swallow. We swallow, as you all know, two to 3,000 times a day. And when we look at skulls prior to the Industrial Revolution, they all had nice wide palates and nice vertical, and they could breathe through their nose properly. Well, mm -hmm. they also breastfed for three to five years, and they had no processed food. So as soon as they got teeth, they would chew food. So one of the purposes of the ALF is to emulate what the tongue would do if the tongue was in the right spot from birth. Yeah. So okay. we're using it to activate in this lateral and forward manner that the that the tongue swallows with on the pal. Does that make sense? Now, is that what the Crozat was designed to do too originally? The what the acrylic part? No, the Crozat. Like you were saying, he was trying to make the Crozat. I don't. Better. I don't think so. I thought the okay. Crozat was used predominantly as a space maintainer and a space okay. gainer. Um, but it was a, a Crozat was a very simple, but still elegant, um, orthodontic device. It was, it didn't look into the cranium, it, to my knowledge, it didn't look into the cranium, into facial development. It was much more focused on regaining space and just getting a little bit more room for all the teeth. Gotcha. So that's really where Alf takes it to the next level. Cool. Oh, it's, it's such a, such a high level, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, we want, um, so really crowding, dental crowding, dental alveolar crowding, by and large, when there's not a genetic component, uh, is due to uh, an impacted airway, right? We adapt our swallow, our breathing, where we hold our mandible at rest. Um, based on how we breathe. It's a survival mechanism. We have to breathe. We can't go five minutes without breathing, right? <laughs> we can go 40 days, you know, without eating and drinking um, and even longer. And, but with breathing, we, we have to do it. Now we can have other things. We can have traumas. We can have um, uh, a challenging birth. A lot of people have had forceps with their delivery which is going to tweak the cranium, right? But these, you know, we've been told, I was told uh, that the sutures of the cranium start to calcify 
at about 18, 19, 20 years old. And then after that, you can't do anything, just surgery, right? Well, this is the, this is the few things that were contradictory with that. The anatomy of a cranial suture and the anatomy of a periodontal ligament are almost 100% identical. The only difference is that in a PDL, one side is a tooth, right? right? And what do we know about what's called ankylosis with, with periodontal ligaments is that it starts to ankylose at the age of 72, starts to ankylose at the age of 72. So I've, I've referred my 80-year-old patients to get orthodontics done and it was done successfully, right? So if they can move the teeth and the bone, then you can move a cranial suture. Okay? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I wish I had the time to go over everything, but our tissues, what connects our cranium to our spine down to our pelvis is the sac in which our brain and spinal cord reside, right? The dura and the meninges. And we found, osteopaths have found that when we alter the cranial bones, but particularly the dura and the meninges within the cranium, it has an effect on the whole body, whether it's just structural or neurological, right? And humans were designed to breastfeed. We are to breastfeed. Okay, we're not designed to bottle feed. Okay, I understand we live in modern times and just not everyone can do it. It's just life and just not how it is right now. But um, functionally, we are meant to breastfeed, right? And the breastfeeding teaches and makes it into like a, a life pattern how to swallow with your tongue in the spot, which then develops cranium. And it brings the mandible downward and forward. So when I say that the, um, the alpha pliance is very uh, basic and you can do anything you want with it, I mean really that. You could put the wires, like for example, right here, we can design the, water, uh, the wires on the top to do any kind of special movement, like especially when people have asymmetrical faces. Um, we can expand on one side more than the other. And then on here, when you see that lower piece with the acrylic on it, if they have a TMJ problem, we can use that to hold the jaw in the place that we want them to hold it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Right? And like I said, we can design it in different ways. Like this particular design has an extra labial bow to bring the lip forward so, as we, so that'll allow us to bring the maxilla forward. I need oh, an animal, right? Cool. Yeah. And if, you have, if someone has a weird swallow with their lip, where they suck their lip back in, I'm sure yeah. you guys know what that is. Uh -huh. this keeps the, it's a lip bumper. It literally oh, keeps okay. the lip away from the yeah. teeth so we can do what we need to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's cool. I like how adaptable it is. In the hygiene chair today, every time she swallowed, she had smoker lines around her lips. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So this would be a little lip bumper. And of course, if the wire was too thin and it like bothered someone, we would put a, like a little acrylic bumper on the lip bumper just to, get, to make it more comfortable for the patient. Um, we have different designs for what we call trauma. The, the Omega Loop, um, uh, we make the Omega Loop very, very circular. We use, usually use this for adults, but of course, 
children have trauma too and we'll make right. it for them as well. Um, we, we have what's called a stealth ALF. Um, the, this is for when we're trying to get the back of the maxilla and where we want it to be very aesthetic. It's very, very hidden. This particular ALF, you can't even really see it. Um, and of course, we're trying to correct these kinds of distortions. So I don't know why my mouse is not working, but when you look right here in the middle and to the right of the screen, you see kind of like pieces of bone that's going in an arch. Mm -hmm. If you look at the top one with the arrow pointing at it, you can see the premaxilla is pushed in. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to develop that out. In the model underneath it, you see like asymmetrical development where one side seems to be a little bit more upright and the other side seems to be more caved in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we would use the ALF so that we would get not just development, but asymmetrical development that's going to help with the patient's asymmetry. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And this, of course, again, has a global effect on the patient's breathing, on their tongue posture, on their jaw posture, and where even their overall head posture, how they stand in space and under gravity. That's interesting because I just got certified in face yoga and a lot of people, their concerns are facial asymmetry. Yes. Yes, you can like fix if you have muscular asymmetry, but I'm always trying to tell people like, it's not just like a muscle problem. It's like, what's going on with those teeth in there? Exactly right. So, so here we have like in the top left model, we have sort of like the ideal sort of a a maxillary arch yeah and then we come below it and we see a couple of different uh designs like one the one where the premaxilla is pushed back in and then on the right we have one where the person has what we call a gothic arch they have a very very narrow maxilla when you look at it straight up it almost looks like an upside down v right but it's also a very high arch as well okay now look now look at the bottom left photo you have uh, an asymmetrical design that, that's giving you a false midline. And then if you look at the ALF design, it's also that, look at these little loops, those little omega loops. Look how um, different the position is on each of those omega loops, right? If someone was, for example, in the middle left photo where they have a premaxillary in, but the right and left maxilla are symmetrical, those side omega loops would be symmetrical to each other, okay? But you'll notice in the bottom right photo with the severe asymmetry, you'll notice the different positioning of those omega loops. So when we look at that one bottom right picture, the bottom left omega loop is positioned in such a way as to blow out that, the opposite side. That makes sense? Again, all of this is very, very subtle. It's inside your mouth. You're swallowing where you should. You're eating the way you normally would be. It doesn't really get in the way of anything, right? Every time they come for their monthly adjustments, they feel like they miss it, like when it comes out. And we, like I said, we know that... Um, the cranium can dictate how the spine reacts, which then can determine how the body is under gravity. So you can see the difference between the left and right. So this is what's happening to our cranium 
every time we swallow and every time we breathe, especially every time we breathe, it moves. Whoa, that's trippy. That's so trippy. Did you feel that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, like, for example, osteopaths, that's exactly what they're feeling for. Mm, Oh, like when you have cranial sacral therapy, they're like checking for your cranial sacral rhythm. This is the rhythm I'm showing you right now. Whoa. So weird. (laughs) Dr. Mark Hick is um, a brilliant chiropractor in Beverly Hills who came up with this, uh, these videos. Um, He is a a neurologic uh, chiropractor, a chiropractic neurologist, I should say. He's done more cadaver dissections uh, than anyone else. So some before and after cases, um, so you can kind of get an idea of not just the vertical jaw position changes like we have here, but the palatal jaw position. And you can even see where the spot is. You can see the outline of the ALF that was in the patient's mouth. Um, but can you see how like the palate's moving along? Wow. And of course, because the palate articulates with eight pairs of cranial bones and the septum, we get changes with the bags under the eyes. We get nasal labial oh. changes. Oh, I see my mouse. And then right here, we call them these black triangles. They get filled up because we're filling them up with the palate and the teeth. Oh my God, this is the most satisfying video of my life. It could be like- <laughs> well, we got several more to show you. Dental ASMR right there. <laughs> That's awesome. And you'll notice these, except for one of them, these are adults. This is a 72-year-old Asian patient. Wow. So cool. Massive, right? Massive expansion. So, and there may not be a direct answer for this, but, you know, one of the big controversies is always like, what kind, how many millimeters can we really actually expand before we're looking at teeth tipping or bones out of the socket, which I know- ALF is much more gentle than that. Like what's some of the like distances of expansion have you seen? I mean, three to 12 millimeters is, is, is the range. Um, See, so there's reasons why we get any, even with an ALF, you can have tipping, right? So the, the limiting factors are of course genetics, but before we get to the genetics, um, you know, the way I describe it to my patients is imagine all these bones fitting together. Yeah. Okay. It's like a, um, like a bunch of gears, right. That they're all attached and it goes down the chain. Right. Mm-hmm. And you got some small gears and some big gears and some small gears and some big gears and a small gear only has to do some rotation. And when it, the, the smaller gear has to do many revolutions to match that. And because all the gears are connected to each other, um, if we have a blockage somewhere else in our body, right, could be down in the pelvis, could be in the abdomen, whatever, that can inhibit the amount that the maxilla and mandible move, right? So that is why we work with osteopaths, Mm -hmm. because when they put their hands on the patient, they can feel this. They can feel the restriction. I cannot do this. And they go and release it. So that, and that facilitates my ALF movement, right? And if I have uh, someone that I've had patients that have refused 
to go to an osteopath. And they start tipping within six months. Well, and I'm like, listen, uh, you should not come and see me anymore. You know, we should, we should end right here. And they're like, but I thought it was going to take at least a year, year and a half. I go, yeah, you were supposed to see, you know, I was supposed to get support. We talked about this in the beginning. Um, and they just didn't want to follow through for whatever reason. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we just, you know, we put them in retainers and we tell them, sorry, you know, unless you change, we can't do anything. So, um, so I hope that makes sense, that whole analogy of the gears. So mm -hmm. if down the line, you have a gear that's kind of stuck and not moving really well, that will start the other gears upstream to now not be able to move so well. Right? I think I get it. So correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but uh, so if somebody, for example, has forward head posture, their ears are ahead of their shoulders, that messes with your upper back, which messes with your hips, which messes with your knees, which messes with your feet. That's Similar correct. to the alpha. I have diagram. <laughs> you have to have your body in good alignment so then your maxilla can move the way it's supposed to and not be doing compensatory patterns. Is that correct? That, that's right. And I'll go into even more detail to support what you just said, which is the, the, the maxilla is a is directly attached to the mandible, to the TMJ, to the cervical vertebra, to the thoracic vertebra, to the lumbar vertebra, to the sacrum, which of course, the, yes, the sacroiliac joint, which is then connected to all the neurology below. So you, I mean, like for example, you know how chiropractors, when they crack the back, they're trying to get the bones all lined up? Mm -hmm. An osteopath, rather than crack the back in order to get the vertebra lined up, would move the meninges a little bit here and there just to get it relieved so that the vertebra come back to midline on their own. Hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah. So here's someone that had four bicuspid extraction. This is a common presentation in my office. Look at the difference in the depth of the maxilla. So what we didn't do was split the suture and basically make a high vault, a wider high vault, okay? What we did instead was we took this high vaulted maxilla and in the process of expanding, we flattened it while we expand. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's actually very, um, makes me very hopeful because like premolar extraction, I've had it done and looking into fixing it is very expensive. I didn't realize that the ALF could correct some of that deep, high vaulted palate. Of course. Of course. Now, yeah. question for you on that. When you do rapid expansion with a high palate, it doesn't necessarily drop. Is that correct? That's correct because you're splitting the suture. Okay. So imagine you have a cup, an upside down cup. Okay. And you split that cup in half. Okay, and you move those two halves of the cup apart. Okay, that's what you're doing with rapid palatal expansion. Okay, okay. I'm tracking. Does that make sense? Yes. Did I did, did I did I lose you? Okay. Okay, but so you split the cup and you move the two pieces. But the cups look the two halves of the cup look exactly the same. Uh huh. But they're just spread apart. 
So that means okay. that the palate depth doesn't necessarily change. Drop. But with an exactly. owl, it does. Like, how does that work? Yeah. So imagine, um, like a <laughs> a Filipino pork dumpling. <laughs> right. It's like a little dome of bread. Okay. So you take this dome, and if you were to squish it together, it would make a similar shape to that cup, wouldn't it? Okay. Now, imagine you took that now squish thing and you let go, right? And you even press down on the bottom, right? You've now taken that squishy, that squishy dome and made it much more flat hmm. and wider too at the same time where it meets the table. Awesome. I need my dome squished, Megan. <laughs> I knew it. I always had a feeling. <laughs> right? So again, this little purple bone is the maxilla. Look how big it is, right? It's the bags under the eyes. It's the teeth. It's the nasal passages. Um, it attaches to our uh, zygomatic arches, which, may, which is our cheekbones, right? And then going deep, it attaches to the sphenoid bones, the frontal bones, and the ethmoid bones. So it articulates with eight pairs of bones and a septum of the nose. So that's why when we are activating the maxillary region, we get this, the bags under the eyes, the nasolabial fold, and those black triangles uh, corrected and improved. It's sort of like an internal uh, facelift. Yeah. These are so satisfying. <laughs> ASMR with no sound, right? That's right. Yeah. I'm like a nerd for ASMR. So I'm like, you could have a total. If like, you like ASMR, I can just quietly whisper pickles into the microphone. If that <laughs> Perfect. Right. Pickles um, isn't my trigger word. So <laughs> pickles. <laughs> so you see, oh my goodness. You see, you look at the difference. This is the only child I have. In Whoa! These photos. Look at that. Like how her face changed. This Whoa. is what she's gonna look like for the majority of her life. Okay. Oh, cool. Did she have and an open bite to start with? Can we watch that one more time. Absolutely. I got. I kind of have to start with this video. Oh, okay. That's all right. I like this one anyway. They're so good. Free plastic surgery at the same time. It's, it's a little bit of a facelift. Mm -hmm. Look is. at how the neck changes on that gal yeah. before. Slightly. I mean, she, she's probably like, uh, you know, skeletal class one dental, but class two, um, sorry, uh, dental class one, but then skeletal class two. But now she's class one for everything. Wow, that jaw. That jaw this structure. is the patient. This is the patient that had four bicuspid extraction. Wow. Of course, it works on guys as well. You could have probably dealt with a phrenectomy. <laughs> and of course, with the acrylic um, pieces, we can deal with the, uh, the open. what we call wow. the yaw and the pitch. Wow. And of course, we can expand on the lower two, but to a much lower extent than right. maxilla because we don't have a suture right. on the mandibular teeth that was going to be my question for you next was like is there a lower alf of course absolutely there is 
Now look at look look at the difference. Look at those upper and uh, this incisors up at the top. This is so. Now there's cool. no space for them, and now yeah. there's space. So no, the teeth weren't slenderized. You didn't shade those teeth. They were just expanded until there was enough room for all those teeth. So cool. So you can course, get forward growth with an elf. Yeah. So the way I do it. So this is the thing. Um, this is an aspect of physics that applies to everyone doing orthodontics. If you're doing what we call AP development, right? Forward development, okay? When you do that, you get 50% forward development and 50% posterior development movement against the fulcrum in which you're doing it, okay? Now, the way I do ALF is I first do the transverse development. Okay, and I get it until we reach the patient's, you know, genetic maximum. Okay, even until there's a little bit of tilt going. Okay, then I start activating the AP movement. Okay, what ends up happening is instead of 50-50, we get like a 90-10, right? Because as the forces start, you know, this goes easily, but as the forces start to come back, the molars are kind of pushed in up against the uh, buccal buttresses and it can't go anymore. It's locked in. So it can only go forward. Does that make sense? Okay, explain this to me like I'm eight. So you push it out to the sides first. And That's then right. you go forward. And then I go forward. And yeah. then you do both. No, no, no. It's very simple. I first do the sideways and then I do the forward. Okay. okay. And the reason I do that is because when in orthodontics, and it doesn't matter what we're talking about, if we're talking about braces, if we're talking about screw-based appliances, doesn't matter. If you're, whenever you're trying to go front and back, okay, you always get 50% forward of the front teeth and 50% backwards of the back teeth mm -hmm. based on just how it is, just because of physics, right? Equal and opposite force, right? But when I do the sideways first, the transverse first, I take it to the limit. So it's kind of locked in. It can't go anywhere, right? So that from here, when I start pushing forward, it doesn't want to put go backwards in the back because it's so locked in. Oh, I see. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Right? So cool. a physician, this was Kennedy's physician, a certifiable genius in her own right, Dr. Janet Travell. Um, she was, like I said, Kennedy's physician and she helped him with all the pain. She wrote, literally wrote the book on trigger points and myofascial pain that is still used to this day. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what she happened to observe, and she wasn't the first one to observe this because, you know, chiropractors, SOT chiropractors were talking about it before her, but people didn't really value chiropractors, but when you're the, the president's physician, then they listen to you, right? Um, so she found out that whenever the pelvis is tilted, she found that the mandible was tilted as well in the same exact um, degree. You see that? And so the way we describe what's happening is we first get a twist in the cranium, which twists the dura, which then twists the pelvis. And if it goes on long enough, uh, we get arches that collapse 
to compensate for all the imbalances that we have. Right. God, so, this is so me. I'm sorry. This is so me. Uh, so you have to realize everything that happens within the body is a survival mechanism. Right. We 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 have this issue because um, uh, in in the process of this um, uh, twisting, our body has to find a way to survive. So. One of the ways we survive is one, being able to see straight and two, being able to run away in an emergency, okay? And your body will shut off pain and will get you, will, will make a false balance, whether it's with collapsing your arch or twisting your pelvis in order to make it so that you can still run away from a predator, yeah? And it works the other way around. You can have a collapsed arch that then twists the pelvis, that then twists the cranium. You know, it can work both ways. And, you know, if we have a first cervical vertebra that's like straight and then it be twists, that will cause um, a problem down the line as well as up the line. You see, they kind of, they flex this way. In fact, um, Dr. Mark Pick, the one that came up with those videos of the cranial sacral pump, he would do an annual dissection class in Hawaii. And what he would do is he would have the cadaver prone, you know, on their belly, and he would have the spine all opened up. And then he would stick the thing, his fingers with a glove, of course, inside the cadaver's mouth and move the two front teeth forward. Okay. And then everyone on the other end of the body would notice the dura in the pelvis moving up and down with his finger. Does that make sense? That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. It is weird, but it's, it's a great talking point. I but love this, it. That's, that's, what, that's what guides this. And this is what's happening every time we breathe. Inhale. Excellent. So babies that do cranial sacral therapy or osteopath, mm -hmm. they're literally just kind of helping guide and redirect the cranial distortion that they have, the tightness. Absolutely. Just from the physical, childbirth is traumatic for not just the mom, but for the child, right? Here they are, they've been in this womb that's warm and, and they've been breathing amniotic fluid. And then they got pushed through this tiny canal. And, you know, whatever the distortions that went through, and then someone had to pull them out, and then they had to take their first breath, and then they had to breastfeed. This is, a, this is an unbelievable paradigm change for an infant, you know, it's for a neonate. It's, it's, it's frankly amazing. It's frankly a miracle when you think about it. It's nothing short of a miracle. Um, but so my wife, God bless her, she had a 100% natural childbirth no um, epidural or anything like that she's we a had star. a doula who was huh said she's a star <laughs> she is a legend she is she's a legend <laughs> right and every now and then she'll bring it up <laughs> i love it Get it's, it, girl. it's really great um and uh she'll but after our son was born the only thing there was nothing wrong with him he did have a tongue tie which we had to address and there was a little bit like, so one of the things they do to newborns is they put an EEG scanner on their head mm -hmm. and then they play sounds in their ear 
to see if the temporal lobe lights up, right? And so on one side, it didn't light up. So they're like, he may have a hearing issue on that right side. Come back in a week for us to check him. I said, okay. Well, literally the first day he was home, right? We had an osteopath, one of my dearest friends. He had his hands on him, right? And he goes, any trauma with the mom, any trauma with the baby, everything. And I said, yeah, pretty much everything was fine. Um, but the doc, they did say they couldn't get good hearing out of the right side. So he put his hand, he goes, oh yeah, there's fluid in the ear. Let me just drain that. So he did his little thing. He goes, yep, it's totally fine now. No resistance, it just came. And then a week later we went back, they're like, he's totally normal, right? So he, even though he had nothing wrong with him, he would go to a regular osteopath all the time. That's really cool. My next oh, life, God. I want to be an osteopath. I feel like I have magic powers. You can still do it in this life. You can still do it in this life. <laughs> Not too late. Not so too late. There, there is a great book that came out in the 70s by Dr. Ulrich Founder called The Dental Physician. And he called this condition dental distress syndrome. He didn't know what sympathetic dystrophy was. The term sympathetic dystrophy wasn't invented yet. So, but he noticed that some people had a jaw problem, also had other problems. So he found this one guy that had um, a jaw problem with mild scoliosis. He made him an oral orthotic. They did before and after x-rays and his scoliosis resolved, right? We would call that a descending pattern. And here's another guy, just two days after getting an appliance with no physical therapy, no chiropractic and no osteopathic manipulation. This is how his body responded with just one oral appliance in his mouth. Amazing. Yeah. I actually didn't believe this was real until I had an evaluation done by Dr. Liao and he just had me bite on the stick that he said, that's where like a neuromuscular, my TMJ joint wants to be. Okay. And he had me walk. I could walk taller with better posture it like corrected my feet and my hips It straightened my back. And I was stronger when they did the strength test. It was the weirdest thing. Yep. That's my daily. So uh, Rene Kellier um, is a physician in uh, I believe France. He, he made the observation that for every inch, the head is forward over where it's supposed to be. That's an extra pound that the base of the cervical spine has to maintain. Isn't that crazy? So the average person is three to five inches forward head posture. So that means 30 to 50 pounds of extra weight that has to be lugged around in the, in the uh, cervical spine. And I just want people to know, when, you, when people have a forward head posture, it's not like you can fix it on your own. It's not like you can just sit there and say, well, I'm going to focus on keeping my head here, right? You just can't do that, right? Because th these are neural, your brain is calculating the best posture for you, the best breathing for you, the best swallowing for you every second, right? And several times every second. So like I, I actually once visited a chiropractor's office and he said he treated forward head posture. I was excited. I went to his office and he had these crucifixes on the wall. And he basically like would tie the person like this. And they would like sit there for like half an hour, stand there <laughs> for half an hour like this. And I said, what in the hell are you doing? 
Mm. And he's like, well, we're trying to correct, you know, I adjust them and then I put them on there. And I said, what's going to keep them there? Right. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, if you're not dealing with the structure that's off, if you're not dealing with the airway component, the, the one of the number one reasons, one of the top reasons why we have forward head posture is when we mouth breathe instead of nasal breathe. Mm -hmm. okay. If you're not addressing those issues, then it's never going to work. Now, ooh, mama. Children, I'm sorry. I said, ooh, mama, look at that tonsil <laughs> and that uvula is so stretched. It's, it's very long, right? So this is an adult, but one of the most common reasons children have sleep apnea is with enlarged tonsils. And this is how they, they present. They look pretty normal. You put a sleep test on them and they test normal. Sorry? And then, then a lot of times you put a sleep test on them and they test quote unquote normal. Yeah, that's the thing. So a child, let's say a child that age has one or two apneic events per hour. I'm struggling to breathe there. It's painful to watch. Uh, whenever you see them have one or two events per hour, that is considered severe for those that treat the pediatric population, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas because in adults, five or less is considered normal, an unknowing sleep physician might diagnose that kid as being normal. Yeah. So, in, you know, ENTs have observed that 70% of the time, tongue scalloping, I mean, you guys are dental hygienists, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what percentage of the time have you seen them tongue scalloping, right? Like everybody. Yeah, right. most people so, are too small. So 70% of it is predictive of sleep apnea. Yeah. Yeah. A tiger in a three-foot cage. Yeah, exactly. And so we have a melon patty classification. Basically, when we ask the patient to stick out their tongue, how likely we are to see down their throat. Um, and the closer you are to four, the more likely you are to have sleep apnea. But again, a sleep study is the gold standard for measuring sleep apnea, right? So mm -hmm. if we've got inflamed turbinus, we now have um, a compounding problem. So this person has, this is a modern man. We have very large maxillary sinuses and a relatively small nose, right? So if you start off with a relatively small nose and then it gets plugged up with a cold, now you're definitely mouth breathing, right? Because what's normal when we look at skulls prior to the industrial revolution is we have huge nasal cavities and tiny maxillary sinuses. Whoa. Okay. I've, I've you probably barely see the turbinates on the pre-industrial skull. That's insane. Yeah, look at the space in, be in, in between the turbinates. Yeah. So crazy. Oh, I'm jelly, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I look like this one on the right. Yeah, mm -hmm. on the right, this is probably 99% of my patients on the right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easy. And of course, to get this normal facial profile, we have to have normal swallow and normal breathing. So when we have long face syndrome is another term for adenoid face, right? mouth breather face, right? Because they have to keep their lips apart to breathe. And... One of the reasons why we even tongue thrust, like you can see these, the upper front teeth that are flaring, they're tongue thrusting, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons we tongue thrust is that we can't breathe through our nose, mm -hmm. right? Because we only have but two holes that we can breathe out of, right? Nose and mouth. 
And when we swallow, our tongue passes the saliva down our throat. Well, when we mouth breathe, we now have one point of constriction that if anything happens at the base of our tongue, we're basically dead, right? Because that's the only bottleneck to breathing. But now when we swallow, we now create a closure of the airway every swallow, two to 3,000 times a day. So what's the solution? Well, thrust the tongue so that the back of the tongue space is more clear. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think that might be the best explanation for tongue thrust I've ever heard. Wonderful, yeah. thank you. And so, so when, we, when we tongue thrust, that's where we get the flaring of those upper teeth, right? And then we get, and it doesn't have to be very obvious like it is in the last case. You look at the kid on the left, obviously mm -hmm. Bapian, bag in, bags under their eyes, they're not sleeping. He just parts his lip a little bit, okay? The, the girl on the right with a high mandibular angle, she has to really purse her lips tight in order to keep it closed. This person, I guarantee you, cannot sleep like that. So their mouth is wide open. That's why they have that high mandibular angle, right? And of course, there's uh, Napoleon Dynamite right. with his mm -hmm. very classic, <laughs> you know, adenoid face. Me in high school. <laughs> Kimmy so, Dynamite. <laughs> so yeah, so one of the hallmarks of long face syndrome is this mandibular pain. MP stands for mandibular plane. This is the angle of the mandible. These people have severe TMJ problems, okay? This is the angle of the mandible, right, that we have. Now, the picture on the left, even though they have a, because we want the mandibular plane as flat as possible, but this was someone that had, in my opinion, their face destroyed by four bicuspid extraction. Because what did they do? Instead of making them nice and convex, they dished in the face by retracting the maxillary uh, apparatus, right? And this is where we have it. And once we get to a certain age, unfortunately, sometimes it ends up becoming a surgical case, which we want to avoid. We see it in all ethnicities. And then now the lower lip starts tucking in underneath those big um, front um, flaring incisors. And now we get the, the submental crease and we get this abnormal swallow. And again, we swallow two to 3,000 times a day. That in itself starts becoming problematic. Right. Right. So Dr. Right. Shirazi, why does the top bone drop down and go become like long? The maxilla is like almost elongated. Why does that happen? From the tongue thrust. But like, like why? It down? I don't is it the lack of gravity from the tongue or, or what is it? No, no, no. So the we physically pushing it down. They're literally every time they swallow. I mean, it's two to 3,000 times a day. Right. It's 500 grams of force, right? Just there is no better orthodontic appliance than the tongue and the lips. That's true. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why some orthodontic cases will last like five years, seven years, et cetera, because you're not dealing with the myofunctional or airway problem. Mm -hmm. did, I, Kim, did that answer your question? Yeah, I was just curious if it was like a lack of like tongue pressure. That's why like maxilla kind of droops or, or if it was, um, but you're saying it's more the tongue. Pressure. Well, okay. So if we're talking the droop, it's, we're getting muscular activity that is abnormal. So when we're mouth breathing, 
right? What are we doing? We're right. We're hanging mm -hmm. our jaw down. Hanging. Mm -hmm. The movement of the muscles, the way the muscles posture in order to breathe, has a change on our bony structures. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know if you guys have heard the, about the functional matrix theory about how our bones, among other things, will move and change based on the stimulus that are given, right? So for example, I don't know if people understand what orthodontics really is. You have a tooth with the root inside the bone, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let's say we want to move this root this way, right? We put forces on it, let's say from braces or an alpha or what have you. We put the forces on it. And what's happening is the, the pressure of the root hitting the bone causes the bone to disappear, to melt away. And then the periodontal ligament pulling on the bone on the tongue side then causes tension in the bone and the body creates bone on this side. And what ends up happening in a very slow and methodical way is the tooth appears to be moving inside the bone, which is supposed to be hard, right? Yeah. But what's actually moving is it's receiving stimulus to melt the bone and regrow the bone in accordance to that tooth and the pressure that it comes with, right? So if the, if the posture, if the pressure is coming from the muscles, if it's coming from the tongue, which is a muscle, if it's coming from our, our patterns, our, the way we move our lips, which is a muscle, <laughs> it moves yeah. things. Mm -hmm. in, in ways we, we, in this case, we don't want. So obviously we don't have the time to go over um, the thicknesses and the reasons why we have the angulations in our jaw, but mandibular plane angle is that one that we want flat, right? right. So look at the different kinds of high, valid, uh, high palatal vaults, right? Mm -hmm. We have, you know, and in most of them that you see here, you actually don't see that much crowding right? You don't have to have that much crowding to have uh, a constricted, you know, maxilla, right? So you expand and you make space for all those teeth, which is then makes space for the nasal breathing, right? You can see that picture up in the middle is the nose, the entrance into the nose above the ma that maxilla, mm -hmm. right? So this is a normal palatal vault. We have at least 40 millimeters between uh, the, the lingual of the uh, first molars, and it's pretty flat. It's pretty flat in that picture, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then again, we have to think about it in the context of the passage of air, especially when we sleep. If we don't have enough room for our tongue, when we go to sleep at night and we're on our back, our tongue has just one direction to go, and that's into the throat. Mm -hmm. yeah? That's why tongue tie becomes such an issue, right? Now, I don't know if your audience knows what like mammalons are, but those are those little bumps on the tip of the front teeth. They're almost like feelers for when the teeth come out, right? Like, you know, how everyone talks about how is it that alligator teeth can just fit together so well? Yeah. <laughs> so they actually, when they start to come together, they actually feel for each other and make sure they're not in each other's way. So the purpose of those little bumps called mammalons on the teeth is to hit the other front teeth so they can, they, it tells the brain where the teeth are in space, 
right? And this person has had a tongue thrust their whole life. And that is why those front teeth have never touched. And that is why they still have their mammals, right? Conversely, on the back teeth, they've been clenching the bejesus out of their teeth. And mm -hmm. now their bite is completely flat. Can you see that? Yeah, look at their canines. They're not pointy at all. No shark teeth no, there. Flat, flat as to be. You can land a plane on it, right? And tongue thrust can look in slightly different ways. You can look at just uh, gapping, spacing between teeth. It can even come out sideways. They can, mm -hmm. they can have a lateral tongue thrust as well, right? And what do we want? We want the tongue up on the roof of the mouth to develop the face, to develop the cranium, and to develop the nasal apparatus, right? And I can't tell you how many times um, there have been patients like this, adults, who went and had orthognathic surgery to close that open bite, and then it opened right back up. Oh, no. It's, oh, yeah. it's, and they'll actually run the surgery twice. No. Right? And they'll tell them, you didn't wear your aligners, your retainers. They're like, no, I wore my retainers. Another reason why we have tongue thrust is when we have uh, a lingual frenulum that's a bit either too thick, too tight, or is not that elastic. And we do that because I show this picture. I hope it's not too gross for your audience. This is showing the fibrous connection between the base of the tongue down into the lungs, down into the diaphragm, down into the pelvis, the knee, and then eventually the toes. Doc, can you go to the last page that you were on with that this tongue press? Yes. Can ALF correct an open bite like this? Because I have seen this multiple times, actually. Not without controlling the tongue. So if they did ALF plus myofunctional therapy, is it possible? Yes. Wow. And like I said, if they have they if they have a tongue tie that just doesn't allow the tongue to go to the roof of the mouth, then we need to relieve that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So again, we come back to the design of the alpha. Right. Takes up almost no oral volume. Hold, guides the tongue on where to swallow and how to swallow, and it helps to create more. Uh, oral volume for the tongue. Um, every time we swallow, we put a little vibration into the alpha, which then activates it further. Um, and it's just wonderful. I was able to go through all my slides. Um, you did it. <laughs> so if anyone wants to get a hold of me to like to have alpha therapy, I am, like I said, in Los Angeles and Thousand Oaks. So it's my website, tmjla.com and tmjkaneko.com. Cool. That was awesome. Those like before and afters were so amazing and actually like really inspiring too, because one thing that's really hard for people is um, when they feel like there's no hope they had, um, you know, what is it called? The ret retractive orthodontics. Mm -hmm. Um so that's really, really cool to see like how you can correct that. Cause like I'm a bicuspid extraction, like a premolar extraction person. I like to call myself a victim of it. Yeah. Right. Be dramatic about it. <laughs> but it's true though. Like to fix the crap that happened in there is anywhere from like ten to thirty thousand dollars. It's like very expensive. Yeah. One yeah. other question I have for you, and maybe it's an awkward one, I don't know. But what would somebody um 
be looking at if they wanted to do ALF? Like, what is the price range on that? So my, my fees are fixed and have been fixed for a very long time. Um, each appliance is $2,000. You have one on top, one on the bottom, very typically. Sometimes I've done just the top. But mo the vast majority of the time is top and bottom. And then $250 a month. And then I see them very typically um, in monthly appointments. Mm -hmm. So for like a pretty basic case, like how many months would you see them for? So, uh, well, let's say a year would be fair. A year would be fair. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that seems like a year actually seems not that slow. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? When you're like thinking like, you know, we want really slow, like, you know, low pace, you know, people are always thinking like, oh man, I'm going to be two, three years, like, you know, which I'm sure some probably could be that way. It probably depends on compliance and your therapy and working with your body workers and working as that collaborative team. But like, that doesn't seem unreachable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like that, you know, without outside the realm of possibility or doability. Right. Mm -hmm. especially because yeah. some of them like I have a patient in Seattle that's like 25,000 to do alpha you mean aga oh aga yeah aga. I've, I've you have an opinion on aga I'm just curious from your point of view where you're more like osteopathic more right so I I'm fine with it my my concerns with aga is that whole fulcrum thing I was telling you about mm -hmm. where you do get AP development, but then you also get retractive mechanics as well. I've taken, I've taken a couple of their beginners courses and I looked at it and I'm like, please explain to me how you're doing something outside the realm of physics, right? And they could not show me anything. They have these huge gaps that they have, like that they create at the fulcrum going this way and that way. That to me is not revolutionary, right? It's imp I'm grateful that they can point out how development in this plane is related to sleep apnea and how you can have a very corrective behavior of sleep apnea when you develop this way. That's wonderful. I hope that information is going throughout the world. But uh, I actually just saw a doctor friend of mine who had AGA and then she had braces to make the teeth look straight. She looks wonderful. They did a beautiful work on her. And she actually needs, she now she wants to go and get like powerful expansion because she wants it even improved even more. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it was amazing to talk to you today. And I, I really loved, loved, loved all your slides and the before and afters were amazing, amazing, amazing. So I've heard wonderful things about ALF for years, mm -hmm. but... Um, because it is very, like, it's kind of uncommon. I haven't seen a lot of cases. I actually remember years ago today where I was thinking about this podcast. I was in this dentist's office and he did ALF. And I remember having to clean their teeth <laughs> with it. And I was like, Around what is this stupid wire? I hate this thing. It's so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> the, yeah. way, the way we do it is on dental cleanings, let's say twice a year, we will say on the day of your appointment, come see us, we'll pop it out, go get your teeth clean, mm -hmm. come back, we'll activate it and put it back in. Oh my God, that would have been a godsend. I can't do yeah. that for everybody because sometimes they're 
dentist is really far away from yeah. either of my practices, but yeah. the majority of my patients can manage. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for yes. your beautiful presentation. It's a pleasure. The more people know about this, it, it benefits all of us. Absolutely. And we'll post this to, you know, all the podcast sites that we're on. We'll post yeah. it to the YouTube channel. We'll Wonderful. share it to you so you can send, send me, it out. Send me a link. Send yeah. me a link and I'll promote yes. it as well. Yeah. Thank and then you so much. You can find Megan on Instagram at W at N WMFT. At Northwest Myofunctional. I'm not on Insta. I guess I'm too old. <laughs> find him on his website yeah and then you can find me kimmy um at mouth muscle memory on instagram 